few among us drift toward joy. It's just not the way our brain tends to work. Hi, everyone. I'm Annika, and this is the Tried and Truth Podcast. to another episode of the Tried and Truth Podcast. If you've ever wished that you had somebody a few steps, maybe that's one or two, or maybe many steps ahead of you in the life or a business journey, that's what this podcast is all about, where each week I'm bringing you real conversations with real life truths, real businesses, and some really amazing people. Today we've got one of those on the podcast. Nicole Zazowski is joining us, y'all. She is a family and marriage therapist and has just released her new book, What If It's Wonderful. You are going to love this conversation, love this book. It is all about releasing our fears, choosing joy in our life, and having the courage to celebrate. And I don't know about you all, but sometimes I can be a little bit of a borderline Debbie Downer, too practical, too realist, uh, worst case scenario thinking, so much so that the irony of all of this has been uh, the day this book got released, my husband did not know that Nicole was going to be joining me on the podcast. And he sent me a picture of this book that he saw on social media that someone else had shared. And he said, I really think you would like this book. You're always thinking kind of worst case scenario. <laughs> and so I thought it was so funny because this really is me and maybe it's you too. And maybe it's in one specific area of your life or just your life in general. And so I really hope that you will walk away today encouraged from this conversation, excited to release more of your fears, choose joy and have the courage to celebrate this wonderful life. Nicole, welcome to the podcast. I am so thrilled to have you on. I feel like you are bringing us some really amazing things today, some joy, wow. some wisdom, some truth. So welcome to the podcast. Oh, I'm so happy to be with you, Annika. This is so fun for me. So before we talk about the amazing book, I would love for us just to tell, talk a little bit about you and your story. Tell us what you do by day and by night. Tell us a little yes. bit about you. So I am a marriage and family therapist. Uh, most of the time that takes place in my practice in Greenwich, Connecticut, just outside New York City. Um, but occasionally I will do uh, therapy intensives around the country and speak at different churches and organizations as well. Um, and that, you know, full-time as a therapist is considered 20 hours. So, um, I do that close to full-time technically. Um, and the rest of my hours I spend momming, uh, which I love and, um, every, you know, you're a mom all the time, but, yes. um, hands-on at home, um, and, writing as well. I've written two books. The first is From Lost to Found and the second, which we'll mostly be talking about today is called What If It's Wonderful? I just love the title of the book and Thanks. even just this tagline of an invitation to release fears, choose joy, find the courage to celebrate. Like that is yes. something we all need. I just, I love that. Um, well, we're so glad that you're here. Um, tell us a little bit about why this book Yes. So when this book really emerged from a season that could largely be characterized by change and loss, I don't think our seasons are ever all pain or all joy, but I do think they tend to lean in one direction or another sometimes. And it was just a really painful season. Um, oh. with, obviously there was a lot of joy and connection in there too. And 
a lot of really beautiful things happened in my own heart and in my faith. And that's outlined in, in my first book from lost to found. Um, but you know, when you go through something challenging or painful, there's the loss itself, whether that's tangible loss or a betrayal or a season of longing and waiting. Um, but then there's the cost and the cost Mm. is the impact to our sense of identity and our sense of safety. And one of the costs that took me a while to put my finger on was that as I entered a season that was characterized by more breakthrough and more good news and joy, I realized that my joy was accompanied by a lot of fear. I was sure that if I embraced joy, it would be a matter of time before it was ripped from my hands. Um, Hope felt like a bad idea. Mm. Um, Dreaming felt like a bad idea. I was worried that celebration came with a catch, like the other, always waiting for the other shoe to drop. And I was really sad when I woke up one day and thought, Yes, there's the loss itself, but a lot of the loss I've experienced is my inability to embrace joy. And I thought, I don't want to miss out on my beautiful God-given life because I am so busy preparing for the worst. Um, And I was missing a lot of the joy that was right in front of me. And so that started me on a journey of understanding what celebration is and how it's available to us as a practice and not just a reward (laughs) Um, and how to engage with God in the light of our joy. One of my fears was that this beautiful, close relationship I had with God in the dark would go away in the light of my joy. And then the book, What If It's Wonderful, was born. Yeah, no, I love that. And I can relate so much to that. One of the things that I'm a, I'm a book underliner. Oh, good. <laughs> so so one, of the, one of the things that I was like, yes, this is me too. Um, the very beginning, you just talk about this idea of like you were suspicious of joy, afraid to hold on to God's gift for fear that it would be lost. And I was like, yeah. yes, like I, as just someone who struggled with fear or always thinking the worst, I think that yeah. comes up to like hyper awareness when you become a mom, right? You think, yes. Always. Oh and when things are going yeah. really well, it's I'm you're preparing yourself for the worst and you're missing everything that's right in front of you. And so mm-hmm. I just resonated so much with just that like suspicious of joy. Like why yeah. why does this feel really good? I don't want to hold too tightly because is, is it gonna go away? What's coming next? Yeah. But what if what's coming next is even better? Yeah, I find that that worry really kills our wonder. Um mm. and not that not that we're guaranteed change in circumstance or, or the perfect outcome, you know, life is still messy and hard and there are seasons of suffering. This is not a book of blind optimism or toxic positivity. Um, I think that's unhelpful and and very much not healing, um, to the conversation, but I do think there is something so powerful about letting our imagination um, help us encounter reality about who God is. And I love that question. What if it's wonderful? Um, you know, even, even more than, you know, what if it's great or what if it's awesome? Because that word wonder, I think just 
captures what I have really discovered about my relationship with God. Um, I, I was way more focused on my knowledge of God. Um, and that's a good thing. I think we need to study God's word and really understand the nuances, but not if it eclipses our wonder of him, we should never let it eclipse our wonder of him and, and our imagination about all the ways he wants to move in our hearts and lives. Yeah, no, that's really good. And kind of all of your years of, of being a therapist, what do you find gets in the way of, of us experiencing wonder? Do you feel like we just like box in what we know and we don't allow what we don't and just like, what do you find or what have you felt or seen? Yeah. So concurrent with my own personal journey in this area, I also started, you know, the world was going through an interesting season these last two years. And so I, yeah, I have this practice full of people that are going through their own version of this. And in addition to my personal community. So I had a ton of conversations about what does this relationship between pain and joy look like? And how do we celebrate in any season? And I, I picked up on the fact that there's about five main hesitancies to celebrate that, that people mostly wrestle with. Obviously, this is not an exhaustive list, but these are the answers that came up most often. The first is what we've been talking about, just waiting for the other shoe to drop. You know, worry and anxiety really narrows our vision mm. in only more perspectives of the same problem. And, and we have no imagination for not only a solution, but how God could move or the things that he could do. And so just that fear of if I celebrate, then I have something to lose. Um, and so it's easier just to keep my expectations low and prepare to mourn um, or prepare for the worst, whatever that looks like. The second is this, this idea that we're waiting for a reason to celebrate. A lot of us have a misguided idea of what celebration is, and we picture our joy or our celebration sitting on the other side of a dream realized or a goal achieved or some sort of change in circumstances that we're hoping to see. Um, and we can talk about this more later, but that one is incredibly disempowering and anxiety provoking because we enter a transition like a new year and we think, well, I hope I have a reason to celebrate and almost as if our joy is hinging on these perfect circumstances that we can't control. Hmm. Um, and so we assume that celebration is a reward and not a practice. The third is that uh, we are unsure of how to reconcile this invitation to celebrate with our value of humility. I think there's a misconception that celebration is self-aggrandizing and we're building a name for ourselves. Um, and so we just avoid it because we don't want to take that position. Um, and I can also talk more about that. The the fourth one is, you know, we're all in community and not everybody is living the same kind of season at the same time. And how do I celebrate when I know my friend is hurting? And maybe, I, maybe I'm maybe i even celebrating a dream that steps on the toes of theirs. And how do we do that well in community and, and stay in relationship? 
Um, and then the fifth is this idea of, you know, we, we're so aware of our need for God in a season of suffering. And with that awareness of our need comes a really close, intimate relationship with Christ. And that's a beautiful thing. And a lot of us are afraid or, or don't have a context of what it looks like to engage with God in our joy. So it feels frivolous or less deep or less important, um, feels like an extra versus essential to the Christian life. (laughs) So, uh, those are the main hesitancies. Those are really fascinating. Yes. (laughs) Kind of sitting back in awe right now. Um, Uh, I think, you know, so many of those, I don't think that we've been able to name, right? I think all of us at one point or another have probably experienced one of those. But as you articulate them, you just start to say, yes, I know exactly that moment. I can relate to that time. I I have felt that or I've witnessed that, whether that's out of guilt to celebrate Mm -hmm. or um, I love the last one, just this idea of kind of out of context. Like we don't, we don't necessarily know that. Um, but one of the things that really just stuck out with what you said is reward versus practice. Yes. I love that. Can we talk a little bit more about, can you unpack that one a little bit more for us? Sure. Sure. It was a huge paradigm shift for me. And I, I think it's one of the most main, uh, misconceptions of celebration and, and one of the most important shifts (laughs) for me. Um, you know, when you look at, what celebration looks like in the Old Testament, all those feasts and festivals um, that that God instituted and and those rituals that were meant to remind God's people of of his truth. They they the Israelites didn't celebrate because they were in the mood to do so or because all their work was done or because um they had accomplished this really big thing and they were celebrating as a reward. They celebrated because it was time to do so. Those celebrations happened in rhythm, whether it was once every seven years or once every week with Sabbath. And it was meant to remind us of God's faithfulness and and be a rhythm of reminding us of God's faithfulness and not a reward for our own. And so when, when we practice celebration and rhythm, we are remembering God's goodness in our lives instead of just merely focusing on it being a reward for our own goodness. Um, and this is incredibly empowering, as I mentioned earlier, um, because this is something that we can practice now no one is disqualified from celebration. Um, This can be practiced in any season, in any story, just as your life is right now. And, And celebration is really more about creating a beautiful life you have with God, um, and, and not, um, or enjoying the life you do have with God and not, not a change um, or, or changing or adding something to your life like we often think. Yeah, no, that's really good. What are like some practical ways that celebration has unfolded as you've allowed it and invited more of it into your life? Yes. So the last third of the book um, outlines a lot of really practical practices that you can incorporate in your life now. And it was important to me that 
none of those require any kind of change or for somebody to be in a certain kind of season in order to be able to practice them. Um, but I will go through a, two of my favorites. Um, the first, and I think this is a great place to start if you want to start cultivating joy and celebration in your life, is the practice of savoring. And there's a couple things about the brain that are important to recognize just, just to familiarize ourselves with our starting place. The first is this phenomenon called the hedonic treadmill, which is basically the, the fact that the brain rapidly adapts to joy. So what's new and exciting and the gift that would make you want for nothing else in life quickly uh, fades into the background and the glitter starts to flake off that moment or that gift or, and not that it's not a good and beautiful thing, just the brain very quickly adapts to joy. And the second thing is that uh, the brain is like Velcro for negative input and Teflon for positive input. And so what this means is that, Annika, you and I going through our days and experiencing all these, not perfect, but lots of delightful moments throughout our day or things that we are thankful for are really beautiful. The brain is extremely efficient. It is only going to hang on to what it thinks it has to. And most often that is major and negative things. And so the practice of savoring helps us capture and keep um, those moments of delight. And the way that you do this is you just ask your five traditional senses what they're going to remember about one snapshot in your day. I'm, it can be really small. So sitting down, I had a friend who has four teenagers and they, with their crazy schedules, they don't often, the six of them sit down to dinner as a family very often, but it happened the other night and she was just noticing the joy of all of them being together. Now I'm sure there were squab squabbles around the dinner table or disagreements. <laughs> it's not like everything has to go perfectly for you to savor it, but just that one snapshot of the fact that you're together. And so asking yourself, what do you see? What do you smell? What do you hear? What do you taste? And what do you feel? And that will help you capture and hold that joy in a way that you can carry it forward. Also a really good anxiety technique because it keeps you so present to the, the present moment where anxiety tends to pull your brain into the future or, or relive the past. This keeps you very much in the moment. So that's a fringe benefit of that one. Absolutely. Absolutely. As you're saying that, I'm just thinking about, there's been a few moments, you know, parenting is hard. Totally. <laughs> parenting is hard. Um, we didn't, you know, birth each child with a manual that's here's no. all the ways. <laughs> here's exactly what your kid needs. Here's their love language and yes. here's how they will receive discipline. And here's how they're just going to grow into these amazing humans. Yes. So, you know, we're all learning as we go, but I think there's these really wonder filled moments mm -hmm. as, as moms where I've just like caught myself saying, soak up this moment, you know, that yeah. one moment, we're just walking down our street under the trees and 
got the three kids in front walking with my husband and it's just this small moment in time that you just like you said it's like you hear the leaves rustle you see the sun shining you just smell the fresh air you like hear the laughter and just this trying to soak in that moment Mm -hmm. because we miss so much of it throughout the day it's just the the crazy of of all of it and i think we're like you said our mind is is wired to think all the things we got to do all the things we got to fix all the conversations we have to have and all the things all of that and it's like when we can just pause and just soak in that small Mm -hmm. tiny wonder-filled moment that's free yep yeah it's free it doesn't cost a thing it doesn't cost a lot of time it's available to you in your everyday life. And that's why I love it so much is it helps you celebrate what's already happening um, and and glean more joy from from Mm. the life that you have rather than feeling like your joy is sitting on the other side of a change um, or some improvement that you've imagined for yourself. Right. Um, And the second one actually goes beautifully with what you just shared. Um, It's this practice of Thanksgiving. And we tend to talk a lot about gratitude in our culture, which I love. I I think it's a beautiful conversation. And the research is clear that gratitude does increase our joy um, because it helps us notice and name the good things, the good gifts in our life and and the ways that God is moving. So, you know, it changes your perspective when you're noticing, right? Because you we tend to find what we look for. (laughs) So all of a sudden we have a different lens on our day when we're mining it for, for the good. And then that naming, whether it's writing it down in a journal or, you know, a jar, whatever it is, just makes it more concrete. Um, so that we're more likely to hang on to it because there's a structure around it. What we rarely talk about though, is that the research says whatever, whatever joy we glean from gratitude is doubled when we express that gratitude through Thanksgiving. Mm. So if I am grateful for you in my life um, and, and I experience joy by simply feeling that, but when I'm able to tell you like, here is a difference that your presence makes in my life. And here are all the ways that my life is different and better because you're in it actually sharing that with the person will double, like throw gasoline on whatever joy you would have experienced had you simply felt that in your heart. And I love this one because when we talk about our uncertainty of what it looks like to engage with God in the light of our joy, this is the avenue we've been given to celebrate the Mm -hmm. gift with the giver is thanksgiving. And and if God is the giver of all good gifts, this is a beautiful way. It's been one of my favorite ways of celebrating with God is to incorporate this into my prayer life because I'm so inclined, which is not, this is a beautiful prayer too, but a lot of my prayers look like, help, (laughs) I I need wisdom here, or I need you to make this different. And I think that is good and worthy. I am not, um, this is not a performance for God. Um, but this is just, we're missing out. I think if we don't incorporate Thanksgiving into our prayers, because it's our way of celebrating with him. I love the way that you frame that. So I do some, some talks around just like cultivating empathy 
in the oh, workplace. Cool. And it kind of reminds me of one of the practices we call show and tell, like this idea yeah. of people don't know until you show and tell. Yes. <laughs> so going back to, you know, when you were a kid, you were so excited to show and tell whatever you had to do, but yes. people don't know that you're grateful or your kids don't know that you really appreciated something that they did or that you love about them or your neighbor doesn't realize how much that phone call or that text yeah. message meant to you. And so just taking it that extra step and just like celebrating celebrating. I love yeah. that. Like just show, tell and celebrate. Yes. Go back to that energy we had as a kid when we were taking exciting things to to class and that were so yeah. small and tiny and yet they it was like a huge celebration of how exciting and and fun and just bringing that into kind of our daily life I think is I love that practical tip. That's really helpful. Yeah. No, it was it was a game changer for me in terms of you know, these are all the things I feel grateful for, but actually what, what am I missing out on or how could I increase my joy by, by opening my mouth and sharing it? Um, yes. and ideally with, with the person, whether that's God or another human being in my life. Um, and the, it's also beneficial because whoever's receiving that it increases their joy as well. Giving and receiving affirmation is, is another way that we can celebrate each other. Which is also like such a testament just to like wonder, right? The, mm -hmm. How it can be multiplied. This joy and yes. wonder can be multiplied when you, when you share it with other people rather than just like you said, keeping it all inside. We're thankful. We write down the things we're grateful for. But when we put it out in the world, like the impact and the effect that that can have is contagious and positively contagious. Absolutely. Absolutely. So good. Um, one thing that um, I wanted you to elaborate a little bit on as you talk a little bit about celebration versus escape. Yes. Can you just shed some light on that? Yeah. I think a common misconception is that um, celebration somehow takes us away from God or, or away from connecting in our lives. It's, it's, we confuse it with this idea of numbing Um and we do have to be careful because escape and numbing is one of the ways that we cope with our, our pain. And uh, that's understandable, but not very helpful. It is not going to bring healing. It's more like an anesthetic uh, when you mm. treating cancer with anesthetic, like you, you may not feel the symptoms for a period of time, but as soon as it wears off, you know, those symptoms are, are right back where they started and you're no, no more healed than, than when you began. And so, um, and it's one of those things, Annika, where if I'm watching somebody live their life, I may not be able to tell whether they're engaging in celebration or escape because a lot of it is, is behaviors that are pretty socially acceptable and are not necessarily wrong in and of themselves. It's more of a matter of the heart. Am I doing this to take me to disconnect or am I, am I celebrating to connect and connect with the joy that's in front of me, connect with other people um, and, and celebrate the gift with the giver through Thanksgiving or whatever it might look like. Um, it's really the question to ask yourself is what am I looking for with this behavior? Um, am I, am I sitting down and, and watching a TV show that I watch every week because it's 
a really fun way of connecting with my spouse. We look forward to it together. We enjoy the conversations we have around the show. It's a way of celebrating um, our relationship by making time for it. Or is it a way of totally checking out and, and ignoring something that a, a pain that we really need to address? Um, and so a question I will often ask myself is what am I, what am I looking for? And is there a way that that need could be met in a more healthy way? I love that. That's really, really good. So kind of, as you've written this book, it comes out this month. Yes. So next week, yes. uh, which is hopefully when, um, when this episode is out. So everyone will need to go pick up a copy of the book. Um, you know, I know that there's always, growth that happens like behind the book mm -hmm. as you're writing these words and putting this into the world, right? It's yes. also I think, <laughs> transforming your own life. I, I'm oh. just curious, is there like, what is just something that you took away in the process of writing this book just that's kind of transformed your own heart and life? What a great question. I just, I just told a friend yesterday who was checking in because book launch season is sort of all the feels. Um, <laughs> and she knows that. So she was checking in on how I'm feeling. And, and I did tell her, I said, I take my title to the face multiple times a day. Um, and, but I think when you, when you initially asked that, the first thing that came to my mind is I started to realize that a lot of the disappointment that I was experiencing in my life a little of, of it was the, the loss and the disappointment itself. But a lot of it was expecting more joy from the gift than it was meant to give. Mm. And when I think, especially when we encounter a season of, of suffering or a season of that we would write differently for ourselves, I think there's um, a really beautiful, painful often, but a really beautiful reordering of our loves that happens. And um, our celebration starts to lean more toward the eternal. Um, and I realized that a lot of my gifts were good things in, in my life and they should be celebrated, but if they're standing awkwardly in the wrong position, they are ultimately going to lead us mm -hmm. to disappointment. Um, because what sits at the center of our affection will determine the satiation of that joy. And there's only, only Jesus belongs at the center. So I, it, this, the process of writing this book and living this book really showed me that a lot of beautiful and wonderful gifts that God had given me in my life, whether that's opportunities or my kids or my marriage, or, you know, the things that I do celebrate and, and God wants me to celebrate but if they're standing in the wrong position and, and becoming in, and I'm expecting more joy from them than they're meant to give, whether that's identity or more security or just more from them, then they're going to lead to disappointment. Um, and so that reordering that happened was, was a really important lesson for me. And so when I experience disappointment now, Again, yes, some of it is the loss or the rejection or whatever that looks like. Um, but I have to ask myself, was did that mean more to me than it should have? Um, mm. was was I putting too much of my identity and security 
or expecting more fulfillment from that thing than it was meant to give. Um, and that was a huge lesson for me. It's a huge lesson, I think, for all of us. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. that recalibration and, and resetting. And I think just, I always kind of think of it as like the gears in our life of like, what is, what's yes. taking dominance over it and where are we hyper-focusing that are magnifying, mm -hmm. right? Like what are the areas that we're magnifying that should not be magnified? Yes. <laughs> it's taking yes. away from other things that could really be magnified and produce a really positive outflow in our life. And yeah, yeah, it's always amazing just to hear, you know, I think what, what regardless of what people do, whether it's like they write a book or their professional journey, whatever, it's, it's such a transformative process on the other mm -hmm. side of the work that people do. And I just, I was, I'm always just curious to hear, cause I think it's a yeah. different experience for the person who, who puts the words out or puts the work out, who's also trying to live that out as well. Yeah. Is, is always so no, I'm glad you, I'm glad you asked that because this, yes, I'm a therapist and yes, I did a ton of research, both in scripture and, and in neuroscience research. Um, but I wrote from the mud pit on this one and I will be honest with your listeners and, and <laughs> tell you, this is still a major area of progress for me. Um, this is something I said the other day that this message had changed my life. And then I quickly corrected it and said, a better way of saying that is that it's changing, it's changing. my life. Um, the, these are that savoring practice, that Thanksgiving practice. These are disciplines that still require a lot of discipline for me. Um, they do not come naturally. People look at my cover um, and it's, if you haven't seen it and you're listening, it's a, it's kind of a dark Navy cover with confetti on it. And I oh. wanted that celebratory component. So that's the confetti, but people assume, oh, you're just such a natural celebrator. And I'm like, no, my, <laughs> my natural trajectory is more like the, the dark Navy background. <laughs> um, that's where I more naturally go. And um, so this is, this is a journey for me. And actually I say in the, in the introduction that it's more of a quest, um, because few among us drift toward joy. It's just not the way our mm. brain tends to work. And so, uh, we all have different, a little, we all bring a little bit of a different perspective to that, but um, I, I say it, it's a quest because it does require so much practice and discipline. Yes. Well, even just what you just said, few of us drift towards joy. And I'm thinking of the, the cover of your book, right? This, this mm -hmm. dark background and this confetti. And I think most of us drift, don't drift. We just sit in no. the middle. Yep. We sit in the middle in this very apathetic, mm -hmm. just kind of subpar. Everything is just what it is, right? Yes. Realists, we're practical. <laughs> But what if today we could just have a little extra confetti mm. in our life and just like, what could that do? What could that yeah. do if we just allowed ourselves to experience more wonder? Um, so you kind of shared a little bit about your journey in writing this book. If there's one thing that that listeners today or hopefully they go pick up the book and and readers walk away with at the end of the book, what is what is your hope? Mm. So many things. I think that one of the main ones would be just that, that celebration is available to you now um, and that you don't have to wait or add to your life or change your life in order to experience joy. 
I also want to um, make sure <laughs> that uh, any listener um, who's hearing this conversation understands that a question I've gotten before is, you know, do I need to demonstrate a certain level of hope or um, delight before God is willing to intervene mm. in my circumstances? And I think about in Luke one, um, where the angel Gabriel visits Elizabeth and Zechariah, who are eventually the parents of John the Baptist, and they've struggled with infertility for years and in the shame and the disappointment and the heartache that comes along with that. And Elizabeth just receives that joy so readily and, um, trust God as her celebrator, as he has been her comforter and recognizes him so readily in the, in her joy. And Zechariah wants proof before he's willing to trust the promise. He's hesitant. He, um, he's afraid to hold that joy because it's so different. It's easier to trust the pain than, the, than that he's been through than the promise of what God is telling him. And yes, he's silenced um, for a period of time, but I also think it's important to recognize that God was still faithful to him and to his promise. And he did receive John the Baptist as his son and God's, God's faithfulness to you does not depend on your faith and his goodness is not a function of your goodness. Um, and I just want to press that into the palms of anyone listening who thinks, oh, I've got to, you know, uh, approach the future with an expectant heart before God is willing to intervene. And I just, I want to, I want to give that comfort and that truth as well in this conversation about celebration. Um, I, I think we're just missing out on a lot of joy that's available to us when we take God at his word, like Elizabeth was able to do, you know, she says to Mary, blessed is she who has believed what God has told her, um, mm. because there's so much joy when we're able to wonder about how God will move. Gosh, well, I received that hope. <laughs> I received that <laughs> message. And I hope that anyone who is listening just receives mm. that and, and walks away with that, uh, today. I think that's just oh. such a beautiful reminder that, we can all kind of step back into whatever that is for us. So whoever is listening, whether you're walking the dog, picking up kids, just sitting in the tub, listening to this, as I know yes. some people have shared before, wherever this is for you, I hope you could just step back into your day and, and receive that. Tell us, Nicole, where everybody can get the book and where they can um, find you and follow along all that you're doing. Yes. So you can buy the book anywhere you like to buy books. Of course, it's available on Amazon. Um, your local bookstore can order it for you if they don't have it. Um, and I love connecting with listeners and readers and would love to hear from you. So my website is Nicole, N-I-C-O-L-E, Zazowski, Z-A-S-O-W-S-K-I.com. Um, and I've got some free resources there, a ton of bonus content and some fun discount codes and stuff if you order the book. Um, and then there's a free guide as well to help you work through your own what if questions um, that oh, you might great. be carrying. 
So that's free on my website. And then the social media platform I hang out the most on is Instagram. And I'm just at Nicole Zazowski there. Thank you so much for being here. I'm going to share all of that so everyone can get access to all your goodies in the show notes. And um, you've been such a a gift to just join us today and Mm. invite us into the story and your story. And I hope that this conversation is just a gift for all who are listening today. So what was a gift to me? I really love talking with you. Thank you for having me. What a treat to have Nicole on the podcast. I love the topic of this conversation so much. I know I'm walking away so encouraged today, and I hope that you are too. As she unpacks some of those reservations and and hesitancies to celebration, I found myself checking every single one of those things, and it just got me thinking, how much am I missing out on in the life right in front of me? How much joy, how much abundance, how much just celebration and just life-giving energy I'm not only I missing out on, but the people around me missing out on as well. So I'm walking away with just this challenge to to really ask myself, what if it is wonderful? So I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And as I do in every episode, here are my top truths and takeaways from our conversation with Nicole. Number one, whatever joy we glean from gratitude, it's doubled when we express that gratitude through Thanksgiving. So go share what you're grateful for with the people you're grateful for. Number two, think of celebration and practice that celebration as a rhythm, remembering God's goodness in our lives instead of merely focusing on celebration as being a reward for our own goodness. Number three, reorder your loves. If your loves are standing awkwardly in the wrong position, they will ultimately disappoint. And number four, go throw confetti this week. Find a way to throw confetti. Celebration, as Nicole says, is available to you now. You don't have to wait or add to your life or change your life in order to experience joy. Celebrate what's already happening. So I challenge you to go find a way to throw that confetti this week and ask yourself, what if it truly is wonderful? Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you haven't already, would love for you to subscribe to the podcast or leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Appreciate all of you and your feedback and just for joining me along this journey with so many others. And until next time.